about three of you singing that while it was going on, that means you're over 45 years old. Sorry, Solomon, I saw you singing back there. It's the real thing. That was a 70s commercial. You could have been five, could have been three, I don't know. We'll just think. Well, gang, welcome to week three of our Vintage Love Series. I want to give you a quick review. I see a couple new faces. It's not just a marriage. Well, let me give you an even bigger review. I'm Rob Singleton, if you don't know who I am. And if you're just new to Impact Church, I want to welcome you. I'm the lead pastor of this launch team right now. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we are hoping to have our grand opening uh, in August. Some of you are looking around going, wow, looks like you already started. We are, but we're building a volunteer team, a volunteer army, really. We're hoping that teenagers and above are going to have about 400 people that are ready to start a movement, not just a church. And we've got a, you know, over eight, 900 churches in Charlotte and the surrounding areas. We want to see God, well, we want to see God do a movement, and we want to be a part of that. Unashamedly, we believe he can do great big things, and so we want to make an impact. That's why we named the church that. Here's a quick review of the last couple of weeks in this relationship marriage series. By the way, raise your hand if you're not married. Expect all the teenagers to raise their hands. That'd be good. So this is for you too, because this is a relationship series too, as far as dating and some. It's going to be some things today for singles and married. So if you're single, it doesn't mean you take a nap right now. Stay awake for this. <clears throat> we learned in the first week that there's only been and ever will be one perfect designer. There's really only one creator, obviously that's God. And since God is perfect and holy and sinless, that which he originally makes is going to be perfect. Adam and Eve were originally perfect. The garden they lived in was paradise. It was perfect. They messed it up when sin came in. So listen, perfect designer, perfect design. And then along came Satan, and he was created perfect. But when he sinned, he became flawed. So he's kind of, we learned that he's the flawed designer. Therefore, everything that he makes is what? You guys are sharp. Flawed. In fact, he doesn't create anything. Remember, we learned that Satan doesn't create a thing. He only takes what's already created and mimics it and tweaks it. Always, gang, always to the worse. Always to the negative. He can't take anything God made and make it better. And we learned that with relationships and especially marriage, Satan has taken it over the years, especially, I'd say, in the last two decades in our country, and he's redefined it and he's tweaked it. And gang, this series is about, well, hey, do God's old vintage ways still work in a modern world? Are they still best? I mean, I obviously think they are, but I want to convince you guys. Or has Satan come up with something finally that works better? So that's kind of where we are now. First thing I want to talk about, if you're taking notes, write this down. The aisle or the gauntlet? The aisle or the gauntlet? What's it going to be? To me, it seems like, you know, I did a lot of the marriage counseling. You know, I've been in ministry, in the pastoral ministry for over 16, 17 years. Did a lot of wedding counseling a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of pre-marriage counseling, a lot of post-marriage counseling. And it seems to me like couples put so much time and so much energy into a one-hour ceremony. Well, you know, if we're real honest, the guys are probably planning about seven days worth, right? The women are planning, think about it, people, guys. The girls are planning that one half-hour ceremony. The guys are planning the honeymoon. That's really all they care about. But few people, and they'll put months, some, some ladies will put a year worth of planning into that one hour's ceremony. But at the same time, they don't put much planning into what's to come down the road. Marriage is forever, and they, they figure, well, we'll just kind of learn that as we go along. Bad idea. That doesn't usually work. <clears throat> so it seems to me like the wedding aisle can be the wedding gauntlet sometimes. We subconsciously walk down it. We don't realize that if we don't know what we're doing, we're walking down the gauntlet of wedding death, and we're dooming our marriage before it even starts. When I was turning nine years old, I was first informed about a supposed 
Uh, another tradition in, for birthdays and, uh, that I'd never heard of, you know, from year one to year eight, I'd never heard of this, but my parents introduced me to a tradition called the birthday spanking. Any of you do that? <laughs> Raise your hand if you do the birthday spanking. Come on, be honest. Everybody over here, like one or two over here, so a lot of people over here spank the people over here. I guess that's, what, that's how it works. So I thought, well, what is that? And my parents thought it was hilarious to do this thing, and let me see if I've got the whole history of it right. Uh, I've, by the way, affectionately call them now the birthday gauntlet. It's pretty horrifying if you're a little boy and you're expecting presents and everybody to dote over you and then you, your parents go, no, we're going to do a little different this year. We're going to do the, the birthday spanking. It's for good luck. And it's actually a couple hundred years old and it was for good luck. And you get spanked for every year. You know, if you're nine, you're going to get nine spankings. And then it's based on superstition. So beyond that would be a child would receive another one for to grow on, another spanking to live on, another spanking to eat on, another spanking to be happy on, and another spanking to get married on, even though I'm nine. So I, you know, I've got like 15, if you can add spankings adding up. And my parents thought it would be more memorable if they really hurt, whack! I mean, they would nail me. So I'm thinking, is this, is this a good thing now? Or is this a bad thing? You go into birthdays thinking, wow, this is gonna be my day, and then you get that, and it's a little bit confusing. <clears throat> Anybody Irish here? Raise your hand if you're Irish. Okay, maybe I should put it this way. Raise your hand if you have any Irish in you at all. That's everybody, yeah. <laughs> There's something wrong with the Irish because I think this actually started with them. The Irish do a form of this called birthday bumps. So what they do is they take their children on their birthday in honor of their birthday. They turn them upside down, hold them by the ankles and bump them on the head for every year that they've lived. And you know, if you're bumped really hard on the head, is this why I had the Irish? No, I'm not even, I'm not even gonna go into that. That seems sadistic to me a little bit. Come to think of it, aren't the Irish the ones that came up with penalizing people just because they can't afford to wear green on St. Patrick's Day? With what? Nasty little pinch. My wife, who's a lot Irish, will really get into the pinching on that day. So, <laughs> like birthdays, listen, what's this got to do with marriages? Well, that, what's supposed to be one of the happiest days of your life? You're walking down the aisle and you're gonna start your new life with this person ends up being something where we're prepared for happiness and this thing comes out of left field and just sort of wipes us out. In fact, it, it, it's kind of like the, the, who are the children on the uh, Hansel and Gretel? You know, they're walking down, they're lured in by what? Gumdrops and candy and gingerbread dreams and we're sort of in a Hansel and Gretel culture because what's really waiting there for them? Somebody that, not the wolf, that's Little Red Riding Hood. Somebody that wants, <laughs> where are you on Once Upon a Time lore? So, no, it's a, who is it? It's, oh, it's the witch, the witch. She's going to eat them, that's what it is. So it's really not that good. Well, how does this happen? How does it happen, especially, gang, if you are a believer, if you're a Christ follower here today, how in the world could we not know what's coming when we have an owner's manual? And if you want to read the owner's manual on love, in fact, I think it'd be a pretty good idea if you brought your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm not going to read it all, but in honor of God's word, I'd love for you to stand. Stand. Check this out. You want to know what love is? We've got this culture that's all confusing on love, has a million different definitions, and I'm thinking, well, it's, it's right here, if you want to know what it is. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, an angelic tongue, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. That's all I am. 
And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith, incredibly mighty faith, how strong I can move mountains with my word. But have not love, I am what? Nothing. Seems like love's pretty important. And if I give everything I have away and if I deliver up my body to be burned as a saint, but I still have love, again, I gain nothing. In favor with God, I haven't moved an inch. Love is, here we go, this is what love is. Love's patient, kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. So gang, if you're constantly doing the opposite of this, that's not love. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth when truth comes out. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. You can be seated. So we've got that sitting there, and I guess, I guess we don't like it. I guess we see that definition of love, and we go, yeah, but that's, that's kind of old-fashioned. I've read a lot of articles, 20 ways to have your spouse love you back, 20 ways to make them, and we look at that, and we go, well, well don't you think God would know better? Remember, it was probably about 15 years ago, maybe more than I read this book by, I think it's Gary Chapman, and it's The Five Love Languages, and it's not a gimmicky book. It's found in God's Word. You can find these love languages in God's Word. And turns out, and I really believe this, I've seen it, and by the end of this, our time together this morning, you're going to see this too. Every one of you has got a love language. You have one. You've got a primary one. You probably have a secondary one as well. The problem in a lot of relationships that arise, part of the problem in a lot of relationships, arises when we know our love language, but we really don't understand what our spouse's love language. Or we're starting to date someone who we really, really like them, we're trying to communicate love to them, but they're not hearing it. It's not working. It's because you don't understand that their love language is different than yours. All right, gang, so I can't do all of this because there's a female perspective. So would you give a warm welcome to my wife, Michelle, as she comes up and joins me. I'm happy to be here today because um, Rob and I both have a heart for uh, married couples. And what we um, experience is that marriage is tough. Um, we've gone through some knocks and bumps along the way. Um, and as we've counseled people, we have found out that, you know what? Most marriages do go through highs and lows. But um, today, we're going to talk about the five love languages. And um, those of you who are here who might not be married, maybe we have some single people here, or, or maybe you're here and your spouse just doesn't want to come, they don't want to hear this stuff, this is still for you. Um, later on, uh, I think next week, we're going to be giving you um, some assessments so you can take a little test and see what your love language is. It's a lot of fun. There's one specific for single people, and there's two for married couples, one for the wife to fill out and one for the husbands to fill out. It makes for a great date if you want to uh, fill it out, and then you can compare notes. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Rob and I did that. In fact, I have them right here. We filled it out. And just so you know, we have not mastered complete communication. I filled mine out. I'm a rule follower. I follow the rules. And he accused me of cheating. Because my results did not come out what he thought my results were. So, and I accused her of not following the rules because we said we weren't going to bring these. So here they are. <laughs> well, I just want proof. I just want they proof. You can get your own next week, and then you guys can have your own date and put it together. But anyway, 
Um, for our purpose here today, I want you to keep three questions in mind, which will kind of help steer you into figuring out maybe what your love language might be. The first one is, how do I express myself? And what that is is, you know, are you one of those that'll go out and wash your spouse's car, or maybe you'll make them dinner, or maybe you'll bring them flowers, and or maybe you'll tell them that you love them. Okay, so that's so, not only how you express yourself, but how do you express love? How do you express that, love, yeah. How do you show love? And then the love. second is, what do I complain most about? Oh, honey, you forgot to take the trash out. Could you do that for me? Um, honey, you're going to change the filters, you know, whatever that is. If you find yourself complaining over certain acts of service, it might be an indicator that acts of service are something that you long for and might be your love language. And then the last would be, um, what do I request most often? Okay. Like if you find yourself saying, oh, I just wish he'd hug and kiss me more, that may be an indicator too. But keep in mind, speaking your spouse's love language probably won't be natural. Dr. Chapman says, we're not talking comfort here. We're talking love. Love is something we do for someone else. It's sacrificial. And so often couples love one another, but they aren't connecting. They aren't sincere, and sincerity isn't enough. Okay, they're trying to be sincere, but it's not connecting. So I think love becomes richer and more intimate when we truly speak the other person's love language. When we first are starting a relationship, we are all multilingual. Though it's common to appreciate all five love languages, here's an interesting thing. Uh, I wasn't planning on doing this. Raise your hand if you're not married, but you're dating someone here. I see a couple over here. Come on. Yeah, that means you. Engagement counts as dating. And tell you. All right, well, did you know it's common, and I'm going to set you up for this, but you know. It's common to actually express all five love languages while you're dating. Even though some of them are, are things you're not used to doing at all. I'm looking over here. Were there any dating couples over here? Okay, everybody that dates is, okay, in the back here and some people here. So it's common to express all of them when you're dating, even though you might be clueless. Guys, you might not be a servant at all, but you serve when you're dating. Why? Okay, and there's a scientific name for that too. It's called lying. <laughs> when we're trying to present something that we really are because we really want to we really catch that fish or get that, that one that we really love. Now, let me go through all the... Actually, Michelle and I are going to go through all five of them real quick. We're going to go through them in detail. Let's just list them here so you know them, okay? And see if one catches you right away. The first one is words of encouragement. Words of encouragement is a love language. That's when you said all those things that gave them joy, like, oh, how I love thee, let me count the ways. Maybe not sappy like that, but you just said all kinds of stuff. Uh, oh, you're the greatest at this or that. Words of encouragement. Next would be quality time. Uh, when you're dating, a lot of people can't spend more than, uh, they can't spend enough time together. They're talking on the phone at night real late. Um, Michelle uh, shared some of this last week. We would talk sometimes till 2, 3 in the morning uh, it's when I first moved here, I didn't have a job, so it's not that hard. She did. So she'd get like two hours of sleep, and what woke her up would be that sound for the court. You know when you leave the phone off the hook a long time? That's how she woke up to that. Uh, when you're dating, go to movies. I remember when we would go to movies when we were dating, uh, and we'd go to movies that she liked, and um, guys, what are those called? Chick flicks. And I remember, I, I'd go to those things and I would just pretend I loved them. She'd be like, you know, this is incredible. I always wanted to, to, to date a sensitive man that liked these. You know, they have a name for these things. They call them chick flicks. I was like, what? 
Seriously? I, I mean, I love these. They should be called man media. I love them. I mean, they're, they're all for it. I mean, so you fake stuff. I hate chick flicks. I don't watch them at all. But it, your turn. Okay. And there's other love language, too. Um, that would be receiving gifts. I know um, when we were dating, Rob would bring me gifts all the time. He'd stop them by my office. But you remember, you get the flowers, the candy, the gifts. And then, gals, you may have bought your uh, potential spouse clothes so that you could dress them up so they could take you out. That happens, too. Acts of service. You know, that's where you can't really wait to serve one another. When we were dating, you know, if my car broke down or if there was a leak in the sink, you know, Rob was there. He was on it. Now, he was there and he called AAA for me. <laughs> I could have done that myself, but still, he was there. He was there. And for me, you know, when we were dating, he would just say he was hungry. Whoa, I'm going to make a gourmet meal. You know, I was anxious to do that. That was a long time ago. <laughs> um, the last one is physical touch. You enjoyed the physical touch of holding hands or maybe... Uh, sitting on the park bench, um, just having your arm around your potential spouse, or holding each other tight in your arms, maybe laying. Uh, listen, that last one's for married people only. Singles again, let me see you. Where are you? Dating, though? You guys can get a space heater for now. That's just for, but that's for married people. But when we first met our spouse-to-be, we were multilingual in the relationship. That's the point. Can you see where a problem could lead there? You speak all five love languages. Not really, but you pretend to speak all five love languages. We put our best foot forward wanting to win that heart in the relationship. We speak all five languages not wanting the catch to get away. And here's the problem. During that multilingual, high-energy pursuit, what we realize is we can't keep up with that. Can't keep up doing all five all the time like crazy. So we end up defaulting to our own personal love language, which if it's not the same as your spouse's, you can have some problems. You're going to have some problems because they're not going to connect with that. In fact, Rob and I have heard couples tell us countless times, oh, I just can't believe how much things have changed through the years. He used to buy me gifts all the time, gifts. Yeah, she used to love to spend time with me. He used to write me poetry and love letters. She couldn't keep her hands off me. Stuff like that. <laughs> is this for them or is this about us? <laughs> This is how I remember it. Okay. He used to love to help me around the house. Still do. That's true. Oftentimes, this is an indication, gang, of neglect and lack of communication of not speaking their own personal love language. The danger that happens is when you get in there, you think you have it. You think you know the other person's, but you're really just doing all five, and the ones you don't know lapse. And all of a sudden, your spouse is going, he, he doesn't love me. And you're... And, and the guy's going, she doesn't love me. When really, you're just going straight forward the way you did, except you've let up on the ones that really aren't you. This is why it's so important to know what your love language is and that of your spouse. For knowing this, they can begin to minister to each other in the way that they understand, in the language that they can receive. Now, gang, again, Michelle and I are not up here at all going, you know, be like us. We've got this down. No way. Especially in the first couple of years, uh, it was rough before I realized that some of the things that she really loved, before I realized she loves quality time. She loves acts of service. And for her to realize, I love words of affirmation. It's kind of embarrassing to admit this. My second, I love gifts. I do, I love receiving gifts. Uh, it's kind of the change from being a jack of all love languages to a master of just one or two. Take a look. 
right in the middle of a good dream Like all at once I wake up from something that keeps knocking at my brain Before I go insane I hold my pillow to my head And spring up in my bed screaming out the words I dread I think I love you <laughs> and that's how we are today. Last week we showed that one, I Got You Babe. And people were like, how did you do that? How did you make yourselves look so young? It's called That Was Filmed 10 Years Ago. That's how we made ourselves look that young. Well, listen, we must make the transition from working hard at all five love languages to understanding what the love languages of our spouse, like you kind of saw in that little funny video. We changed. I stopped doing the things that maybe communicated love to me, and I started doing what communicated love to her, and vice versa. So work smart. You can't keep up with all the love languages, especially since probably three or four of them are awkward for you. They're not really what you do well. So learn your spouse's primary love language, and they ours, in order to make their greatest gains. So what's, this is what we're going to do for the rest of the time we got together. We're going to cover the love languages in detail. If you're a note taker, try to write down the key stuff. We're going to be flying pretty fast. Uh, but Michelle's going to start with quality time. Okay, so for quality time, I, I like this Bible verse. It's Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 11, and it says, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Yeah, it should be no surprise from what I shared last week and from what Rob has shared this week so far that quality time is my primary love language. And so, you know, what that means is giving each other really undivided attention. What are you doing? I think I got a pebble in my shoe. Is this your form of undivided attention? No, I'm good now. Okay. Go ahead. I heard everything you said. All right, all right. So, you know, we've been married for over 17 years, and honestly, we still have some challenges, and we hit, we've hit some knocks and bumps in the road, too, that make it a little more difficult. One is we have kids. We love our kids, but they buy for our time. Ever, anyone as a parent in here notice how your kids will buy for your time? Yeah. You know, they've got sporting activities, they've got school, you've got to do errands for them, they need to be taken here and there, so that's, that's one thing. The second thing is Rob and I both have jobs, and we're, we're very happy for the jobs that God has given us and called us to, um, but those two take a good chunk of our time. And just like most of you, um, I have Saturdays and Sundays off, those are my days off, and uh, yet for Rob, um, those are the days when he is most intense, and I can say most consumed with what he does. And it's not like he's left me to be a golf widow. You know, he's doing something for Jesus. So we have to navigate how we are going to have that quality time together. And I will tell you this, for spouses whose love language is quality time, nothing says I love you more than undivided attention. Rob, <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I, I got it. I'm sorry. I got a text, but it seems pretty important. I'm going to return it real quick. Yeah. And uh, turn my phone. Phone, yeah, phone off maybe. I'm sorry. I heard everything you said. Uh-huh. Being there for this type of person is critical, but really being there, like with the phone off, with the TV off, with the knife and fork down, 
all chores on standby, it says that you're special, that you care about what's going on. And when I say undivided attention, I don't mean sitting on the couch watching TV together or just messing with your cell phone, okay, or shoelaces. You know, I mean going for a walk together, you know, being close together where you can actually look the person in their eyes. Are you with me, people? Okay, okay, look at them in the eyes. Here are some practical tips for listening. Do maintain eye contact, okay? Don't do something else when somebody is talking. Oh, that's you know, good. And That's good. Yeah. Am I right, people? <laughs> okay. All I'm right. actually You're... so into your words of affirmation that I'm tweeting it. Yeah, yes. You're playing That's with your phone again, honey. I'm turning it off okay. completely. Thank you. Uh, actually, here's the next one. Um, <laughs> you're the next one. No, I think you're the next one. <laughs> Gang, you ever notice at a restaurant, one can always tell the difference between a couple dating and a couple that's married? And I'm not going to say this, I know what it is, but what do you think it is? What's the difference? And this is sad because I see it all the time. And sometimes the older they get and the longer they've been together, if they've been doing this wrong, if they haven't understood each other's love language, then what I'm about to say and what you're probably already thinking is more obvious. What's the difference between a brand new dating or engaged couple and a married couple at a restaurant? Exactly. Have you ever seen married couples, even older married couples, and they'll come to a restaurant and you kind of, it, it's kind of a creepy feeling, but, and not, not if they love each other, not if they've been communicating this right, but sometimes they're sitting there and they're not even looking at each other. And my wife and I have been at restaurants before and we'll just say, they haven't talked for 45 minutes. They haven't said a word. In fact, it's almost a game. They're three feet apart and it's a game to not make eye contact. Have you ever seen it that bad? They'll be like, looking there, she's looking there, she looks back, they switch. You know, she'll look down, he looks up. It's like, I mean, it's almost like there's a repellent going on there. And, I, and what are the dating couples doing? I mean, it's like leaning in and just, you know, eyeballing and, and, and listening to every word, and it's rapt attention. Big, big difference. If your spouse's primary love language is quality time, such dialogue, and I learned this because this is her big love language, is absolutely crucial to his or her emotional sense of well-being. So sit down, ask questions, and listen. Participate in the conversation. This wasn't that easy for me at first. So here's a practical application. If this is your spouse's love language, ask your spouse five activities. Five activities. Give them, give them five that you could recommend for them, you could do together, which would really show love, okay, to that other person. And then take the next five months and pick one a month and do one a month. So does anyone here think that their spouse has quality time as their as love, love language? language? Anyone? Not spouse. Spouse has to be spouse, Mark. You're getting married in five months. Just hold your horses now. Take a spouse. Who's spouse? Who do you think spouse is? Don. And somebody's leaving. I guess not. Don. Where? Don, really? Are you sure? Or, or which one? Which one? Don, come up here. Come on. You're going to be disciplined. No, you're not. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give a gift away for each one of these. Now you wish you raised your hand, don't you? Everybody's like, what's Pastor Rob going to do? He always sets you up. This is a Starbucks card to be used at Starbucks. Starbucks. There you, wow. Sharp. 
to just order coffee and sit down and just talk quality time, all right? All right. And I'm going to be asking you next week, I'm going to be asking her next week okay. if you did this, okay? okay I will. Go. Let's continue. <laughs> Gifts for all of them. All right, gang, the next one is acts of service. So write the scripture down, John 13, 12 through 15. I love this because sometimes acts of service is one where the spouse who doesn't have this as a love language will say they don't have it because like, you know, that's just not me. I don't, I, I don't like to get down and dirty. This will cure you. Ready? John 13, 12 through 15. This is Jesus talking after he says this. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? Okay, this is God washing his disciples' feet. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. For I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. See, gang, when the, when the Son of God serves, that kind of kills any argument of somebody who says, well, you know what, that's not really my thing. That's a little bit beneath me. Well, you're not perfect. Therefore, and that's why I believe he did this. And that's why I believe that the Son of God did this on such a crucial night, the night before he was crucified. You only got a certain amount of time left. You're running out of time to give lessons to your, to your disciples, to your followers, and, and God chooses this one. Though God, I will serve. That must mean that all of us should be willing to serve as a love language. But if your spouse's language of love is acts of service, you better get this right. One of the things that amazes me about people in other countries, see if you've, who's not from America here? Okay, only, only a couple from different countries. Well, I'll bet, depending on what country you're from, I will bet you learned English better than we learned whatever language you speak. Because here's what happened. We'll, we'll take a couple language years in junior high or high school or middle school or high school, but we don't seem to be as good. You know, get a Germany and people that speak English really speak English good. They really do. Uh, you know who really does it, speaks English really good? People in England. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> they do really good. So if you go to France, they speak French, obviously, but they speak English pretty good. If you go to Spain, they <coughs> speak Spanish, but they speak English pretty good. If you come here and, you know, Spanish is probably the biggest language other than English, but a lot of us will take Spanish in school, but we really don't understand it. I took three years of Spanish. I can barely carry on a conversation in Spanish because it's using it. That, ha- that causes you to be good at. When I lived in Southern California, I was growing up, before I'd even taken it, I could converse better in Spanish than I could after taking three years of it in school. It never seems to take root, though, for a lot of Americans. How many of you took Spanish in high school? Wow, I tell you, I mean, that's most of you. Don't lie. I'm going to come out there and have you do the Gettysburg Address or something in Spanish just to prove it. Um, how many of you can still speak it pretty good fluently out of the ones that raise your hand? None. None. So, gang, there's... Okay, well, yeah. I think I know why. Go ahead. Yeah, quality time is definitely my primary love language, but my secondary love language is acts of service. So I had to learn the Spanish, and Spanish for her is going to be acts of service. Now, unlike learning a secondary language, which can be kind of hard, like Spanish, I learned that love language with Michelle right out of the gate. We're dating, I didn't pick up on this. We get married, and we're 24 hours into our honeymoon, and I get this. We wake up at our hotel, and we're in paradise, basically, and here's her. Why did you make the bed? Because we're in a hotel, and they make it for you. Yeah, but I feel better. They're not going to make it till later on, and I would feel a little better if we were a little organized going out throughout our day. My next thing was, help. <laughs> Help me, mommy. 
You know, he's not being completely honest. Here. I'm being I'll completely honest. Here's the next gift. No, you could not even see the floor of the hotel room, and we'd only been there for hey. a few hours. <laughs> I go around the corner to get a gift, and what do you do? <laughs> All right, who thinks their spouse's love language is acts of service? Wow, hand went up pretty fast. Joey, is that you in the back? Think your love? Or you, you think Jessica's love language is acts of service? I'm not even going to ask if she would agree. Come on up here. Got something for you. And the reason I like this particular gift is because you'll get the acts of service communicate. You don't actually have to do anything. So this is awesome. Gift certificate to Auto Bell for a car wash. Take her car to Auto Bell and I'll be checking with you next week. I don't want to see your car clean and hers messy. This is for her, not you. All right, give him a hand too. I hope that he does. Our third um, love language is words of affirmation. And this is actually something that Rob and I both scored kind of high in. And I will tell you that actions don't always speak louder than words. If your love language is this, words of affirmation, unsolicited compliments mean the world to you. I completely agree with this. I've been giving unsolicited comments probably our whole marriage. So I agree completely That's that this is powerful. That's part of our problem. It's compliments, not comments. <laughs> Man, this whole... Ri- yeah, really. Oh, wow, that would make a difference, wouldn't it? Uh-huh. Make a big difference. But hearing the words, I love you, that's important. Hearing the reasons behind those words, that sends our spirits skyward, okay? The reasons behind. Insults can leave you shattered and are not easily forgotten. You know, uh, joke around a lot about this, but being serious, I've had to learn this kind of, my wife, you've heard the story before, the studious type, the valedictorian, me, the class clown. Growing up in my family, though, words were weapons uh, in my house. They just were. My dad, mom were, um, it just was constant fighting atmosphere. Uh, she'd put him down, he would put her down. It was almost, you know, if you wanted to survive, it's who could put the other down the best or who could belittle the best. So when it came to sarcasm, they were like samurai warriors, level 10 sarcastic people. I t- a brother and sisters, the three of us, became little sarcastic ninjas. I mean, we were good with bad words, putting each other down. So seriously, words of affirmation for somebody who's grown up that way, this could be a big leap, and this is our love language, but you've got to get it. Words don't only help, they also severely hurt if they're negative words. Words are so <clears throat> important, and the Bible tells us Uh, Proverbs 18 says, the tongue can bring death or life. In 1 Thessalonians, we learn that we are to encourage one another and build each other up. And then I love Ephesians 4.29. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, who knows what encourage, that word encourage really means? Yes, that's it. It means to inspire. Did you look it up on your phone just now? Okay. <laughs> to inspire courage. To inspire courage. So all of us have areas where we feel insecure, uh, we lack courage, and that may hinder us from accomplishing the positive things that we would like to do. You know, when she kind of went by that definition and then Peggy said what it really was, don't, let, don't blow right by that. That's huge. Because I think a lot of us, when we hear that encouraging words are important, we kind of think, boy," you know, go get them, but it's more than that. It's, it's looking at 
at your spouse, it's looking at, at your significant other, your, your, the one that means so much to you, and seeing maybe where they're hurting, seeing where they're hesitant, seeing where maybe they don't believe in themselves that much, and it's giving them just the right words tailor-made to push them over the line and to get them to do something maybe that God shaped them for and created them for. How big is this in people's lives? I can tell you that about five months ago in my life, my family and I went through one of the toughest things I've ever gone through in my life, and a lot of you know what I'm referring to. And I can tell you the, probably the last thing on my mind, though one of the greatest things on my heart would have been to start a church like Impact, exactly what we're doing. I just didn't have, I thought the energy or the, uh, whatever it is, enough in me, the gumption, I don't know, to, to do it. I, I didn't think that I could, even though I knew God was calling me to do that. You know, you guys actually are what comes in here. If it wasn't for my wife, who's got great words of affirmation and her seeing that God wanted us praying and fasting about it, she saw that, she saw that I was maybe, I don't know, she gave me words of affirmation that, that, that pushed me and made me believe in myself and my gifts again. But outside of just our relationship, you all entered into that. It's because of a lot of you all and your words of affirmation and support for us that you're sitting here today, that we even have this church. You see the power of words? Maybe you don't believe that, maybe you don't see that, but I, I hung on a lot of your support and your belief. And now I think God is doing, I know that God is doing a great work here because of that. One practical application that you guys can do at home is to make it a goal to give your spouse one major compliment every day for a whole month, every single day, and just see if that doesn't speak love to them. Now, I love this, uh, I love this gift here. It's going to seem like, well, who's, I'm not going to let you see it so much now. Who believes that their spouse's love language is words of affirmation? Okay, we got a lot. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, the first one up here gets a gift. Go, 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 go. All right, Chris. <laughs> Scoring points, Chris. It's a little You're kid's book. <laughs> no, but I, Michelle's actually the one that told me this, and I'm going to actually look at a little bit of this with you. I have never, ever seen anything this simple that probably that was this powerful. It's the most simplistic little children's book. I mean, more simple than, than Dr. Seuss kind of stuff, but absolutely right. It's have you filled your bucket today? Have you ever heard of this? Raise your hand if you've ever seen this book. Well, let me just give you the gist of it. Nobody, then this will be good. Let me read you a bedtime story early here. I'm just gonna get into the gist of it. All day long, everyone in the whole wide world walks around carrying an invisible bucket. Turn page. You can't see it, but it's there. You have a bucket, each member of your family has a bucket, grandparents, friends, everybody carries around a bucket. And here's the gist of the book. It's this simple. There's an invisible thing going around. And did you know when you give words of affirmation to someone, even the slightest thing, you fill up their bucket. And if somebody's bucket is full, they're going to walk around, you know, in good spirits and confident and enjoying life. And if you go around emptying someone's bucket, an empty bucket makes people depressed. People go around sad, defeated, lonely, and so did you know, if you just think of life as everybody's got that sitting next to them, but especially your spouse, she's got a, even if this isn't, you don't think it's a language, everybody has this to a certain degree. And you look at it and you go, how am I going to fill my spouse's bucket this week? How am I going to do that? What's something she needs to hear and be encouraged? What's something he needs to hear and be encouraged in? For some of you, maybe you're complicating it too much. Maybe you need to keep it simple. I'm going to give this to Chris and Dory as a gift. But you guys ought to think about getting this. I'm going to pick up another one for myself because I'm, I'm too thick-headed on that. So give Chris a hand, too. 
Physical touch is the next one. <clears throat> Saw a few guys lean in on that. Listen up, honey. This is important. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, Or do you not know, this is Paul talking, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You're not your own, for you were bought with a great price. So glorify God in your body. Now, it's probably not the scripture you thought I was going to share for this one. Okay, this is the part, whenever we give a, a talk like this or a marriage thing, throughout the years, this is the part where the guys listen up and elbow their wives and just go, come on, I think something's coming here. I just sense it in my spirit. Uh, it's important. You need to listen. Forget the rest of it. This is all that matters. And by the way, when you give the test, when you give the love language test verbally and you ask somebody, you ask guys what their number one love language is, most men are going to tell you their number one love language is physical touch. But when you really dig a little deeper, you find out a lot of those guys who said that, it really isn't. It really isn't. All right, guys, hang with me. Here's the disappointment, I think, with some men. We're talking about physical touch. We are talking about, I was going to say more than just sex. We're actually talking about less than sex. We're talking about the holding hands, and we're talking about the kisses and the hugs and, and just you know brushing her hair back or the, the little things that communicate that. Some people are wired where those little things are what fills their love tank throughout the day. Now, there's some practical ways that you, I feel like I'm losing the men here. Hang with me. I got a gift for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a softball in about two seconds. Here it is. While eating together, let your knee or foot drift over and touch the foot of your spouse. Okay? Scientific name for this is footsies. Are you all with me? Okay? Okay, men, look up here. Men. Okay. If you'll do this, it will lead to what you really want. So can you just hang with it on that way? Just do this. It a lot of times leads to it. If that's, am I right, people? <laughs> am I right, men? Go ahead. All right, I think it's time for a gift. What do you think? Oh, yes, it is. Who's giving this gift? You are, because I couldn't so possibly. So who here thinks that their spouse has the love language of physical touch? Okay. Wow. All right. Leslie? <laughs> What's with the evil laugh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here you go. Show. Oh. I hope you still like me. <laughs> of course I do. This is a foot massage kit, so you can go to Phil and give him the best foot massage he has ever had. Oh, and it's a foot scrubbing thing and a little pedicure deal and all that. <laughs> Woohoo! Hey, Phil, come up here a minute. <laughs> You know, when we were kind of putting these gifts together, I was like, you better call a woman up for this because there ain't no way any guy's going to do this. But you can't get out of this. So here's, a, here's an easy way for you to get up. <laughs> Just give her a back rub. How's that? That's all you have to do. There's your part of it. I just realized, yeah, I think I might. No, okay, I'm good. I thought I'd give away one of my gifts inside one of the other gifts. If you got a double gift, be honest, bring it back up here. All right, next thing, last thing, is receiving gifts. I love this one. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What's that gift that's indescribable? Salvation. Salvation. It's only natural that receiving gifts would be a major love language in the way we're made up because we serve a God who loves to give us gifts. I don't think he'd love to give us gifts if we had no clue about 
you know, whether they be good or we were ungrateful or didn't like them. But the fact is, for a lot of gifts, we are ungrateful. But some people are wired more to where that communicates love the most. Gifts, gang, write this down. If you're a note taker, write this down. I'll say it twice. Gifts are visual reminders of love. They may be purchased, found, or made. I mean, a lot of times when people like gifts, you don't have to go out there and spend a ton of money. They just like the thought you put into it. Now, if your spouse's love language is gifts, I don't recommend that you just go out there and, and, and get something thoughtless. Hey, I spent money, I, you know, I, I stopped by, just whatever, has nothing to do with you, but here's a gift. No, what they love about it is the thought you put into matching them up with things that they like. So here's some practical application. Give your spouse, if this is their love language, a gift every day for a week. Can be something you discovered. I mean, by the way, what does that look like? I don't know, your, your, your wife's husband, whatever, they might be into nature. You go for a walk, you find something really neat on the trail, or, and you just bring it back. That's a simple little thing, but sometimes, you're at the beach, you find a, a shark's tooth or a neat seashell or something. That's just as much, you know, as something bigger like Alexis. For me, <laughs> for me it's Alexis, but, but you know, for Michelle, it's shells we can get away with. Uh, keep a gift idea notebook. A gift idea notebook. So if you're hearing things along the way that, you know, if you're hearing things yeah. along the way that I mentioned that I might want, keep that notebook. Do you have a notebook? I've got a notebook. Keep a notebook. And then here's the last one. Offer the gift of presence, spelled P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Offer the gift of your presence. You know, and I know this bleeds into another one like quality time, but sometimes that's, that's the biggest gift that they're looking for. And we have one final gift. Who thinks that this is the love language of their spouse? Wow. Mike. I don't see any hands. Mike. Mike. <laughs> Just kidding. How could I miss that hand? Believe it or not, this is my favorite <clears throat> gift in here. Gang, I, I would, obviously we're not going to be able to get into the whole thing with this in the love languages. We can't get into the whole series. I would suggest you get Gary Chapman's book. The Five Love Languages. This is a gift for you, the One Year Love Language Devotional by Gary Chapman. So you can go through this. So remember how I said next week I'm going to check back with you? <clears throat> this is one year. I will check back with you in a year to see if you have done all these devotionals. All right? Give him a hand too. <clears throat> James 1.22 says, this is how we're going to wrap it up today. It says, be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Gang, I can't think of a, a message really that I or we have done lately that this applies to much more than this. Gang, if you hear this and you write it down and you gather up some great facts about your spouse, it's utterly worthless, right? It's worthless. You have to do this stuff. Now, we've given you some practical things. Plug them in. Use them in the weeks ahead. Use them in the months ahead. And see if it doesn't make a big difference uh, in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for how you wired us and how you shaped us, Lord. And thank you for the, the unity, God, in diversity. Thank you for how you do great things, <clears throat> Lord God, not because we're robots, not because we're all Stepford wives or, or men and we're all completely the same, Lord, but because we're different. Father, help us to see the value in loving our mate or loving that one that we're thinking about marrying so much that we would be interested enough to learn what communicates love to them. God, I pray that we'll go the extra mile. The fact is true love gives and true love looks at the other much, much more than we look at ourselves. And yet, God, the bonus in this that I pray people will see is that 
as we give of our lives and ourselves to others, we'll fill our own tank. Just like that simple uh, child's book, children's book about filling uh, one another's bucket. Lord, help us to see that. More than that, God, help us to experience that as we put it in practice. To your glory and honor, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. See you next week.